Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, this week, the Supreme Court begins its new session, and... First, I want to acknowledge history. I want to acknowledge some good news for a change, which is the fact that Justice Ketanji Brown Jackson has begun her term as a Supreme Court justice, the first black woman to hold that esteemed position in the United States. Now for the rest of the bad news, which is that, my God, do I wish that Ketanji Brown Jackson was sitting on any other Supreme Court than one that I have no de- no mixed feelings will go down in history as the most corrupt, weaponized, radicalized, far-right-wing Supreme Court in the history of these United States. Now, I say that, dear friends, I am not a legal scholar. I am not a lawyer. And as you have heard me joke before, I just watch Law and Order and pretend I know a thing or two about a thing or two about our legal system because I surround myself with really smart people. But the fact is this, the Supreme Court is taking on in this session some of the most fundamentally life-changing cases that we have seen. Same-sex marriage and the ability of businesses to discriminate against same-sex couples. Affirmative action and the ability of predominantly white institutions to once again turn away people of color and women. Voting rights. Finally, doing what it is with the Supreme Court that John Eastman wasn't able to do with his PowerPoint presentation during the Trump administration and their attempted coup, which is turn over 
national elections and the outcomes of national elections to state electors. Just totally dismissing the will and the voice of, oh, I don't know, hundreds of millions of fucking Americans. These nine justices were not voted in by the people of these United States. And so finally, with the Dobbs decision last June, and with the fact that abortion is damn near illegal and criminalized, not even just illegal, but criminalized in a majority of states in this country, would have you recognize that, hmm, are we going to go about the business of abiding by laws that we know are made by corrupt people in order to keep the masses in check? And under their thumb, or are we going to begin in particularly in blue states that actually believe in the constitution and believe in precedent and believe in the will of people to say, fuck the Supreme court. Because here's the thing, when the body that is making the laws of this land becomes corrupt and corroded, those laws become corrupt and corroded. And so the question then that we all have to ask ourselves is that we, do we just continue to go along for the get along and think that, oh, we'll keep getting bites at this democracy apple bites at this justice apple when they are not even are, they have laid the groundwork. They own the courts, the far right white wing in evangelical Christians. And I use white wing. I meant that it was not a mistake own the courts. They're about to own the House of Representatives. And in less than two years may in fact own the White House. So all that being said, you don't really need to have a law degree to figure out that Jim Crow and, you know, Repealing a woman's right to vote and making it so that you have no legal recourse if your boss decides to fire you because they don't like your hair, they don't like your skin color, and they don't like who you're married to. Where are you going with that case? Nowhere. Because if it's kicked up to the Supreme Court, there is no longer any precedent that says that you have any rights in this country. If you are a person of color, a woman, a queer person, right? You know, the majority. Of Americans. You see, what has happened, folks, is that when we started talking in progressive circles, and I know this because I was working at the Center for American Progress as a senior advisor, and I was also working for an environmental organization at the same time. When we started to talk about the demographic shift, it was in the early 2000s. And we started to talk about the fact that. This country is getting browner, not necessarily blacker, but browner in terms of the Latinx population growing bigger and bigger. It is the fastest growing that and then Asian. When far right wing racists began to hear that, what they actually heard was my privilege is going to go away. My ability to oppress 
My ability to just show up and be white and male and straight is no longer going to have the same currency that it did if these people, if those people become the authority. Because you see, white people always believe that when people of color get into positions of power, that we have the same sentiment and desire to oppress and be cruel and vicious in the way that they are. That's because they don't know us, because that's not how people of color actually operate. Not in this country. What we have tried to do and what we have worked to do and what we have fought in the courts to do is to level a playing field for people of color in a way that allowed us to move aside the purposeful obstacles that were put in our way by virtue of white supremacy and capitalism and patriarchy. So when the far right and the radicalized white supremacist groups began to see this, they said, well, no, we got to roll back abortion, which they'd been saying. But what we weren't listening to is that they wanted to roll back abortion because they wanted more white babies. You see, if women are out here, you know, being heads of households and having their own financial stability and their ability to forecast their own futures, well, then they're not relying on men. And then they're going to decide to wait to have children because we haven't created the conditions in this country that make it easy for people to want to actually have families who want them. It's not as if we provide universal pre-K or universal kindergarten. It's not as if we provide regular childcare tax credits, right? It's not as if we allow for parents to have maternity and paternity leave that lasts more than a couple of months. And then the rest of the time you're cobbling together your disability in order to stay home with your new fucking baby. For all of these talks about being pro-life and pro-child, they don't give a fuck because just look at our public education system, but I digress. The fact is that this has been a long sought after plan. We'll start with abortion and then we'll go back to voting rights because remember they tried, they fucked with voting rights in the beginning of the two thousands again, when they said, Oh, these historically and notoriously racist Southern states, Oh, they don't need to have preclearance anymore. They can go ahead and change their voting rights. Oh, we're past racism. And what did those motherfuckers do before the ink was even dried on the opinion? They went ahead and started gerrymandering districts and started oppressing votes and started throwing out registrants. So here comes the Supreme Court once again for the final death blow to the Voting Rights Act. So you get rid of affirmative action, you've gotten rid of abortion, you overturn same-sex marriage, and you finally gut voting rights. Really, there's nothing left standing except to initiate a new Jim Crow, right? You make it so that black and brown people are forced into one caste system so that you create a permanent underclass. You give them no legal recourse to have even their basic needs met, meaning that, you know, if they're working in factories, say like Amazon, you know, that they can pee in an actual functioning toilet and breathe in air that is actually fresh and have medical 
insurance, right? And have unions. But no, Republicans will make sure that you have none of that and that you are in such a desperate place in your life that you'll just take what is given to you. This is how authoritarianism and fascism works. And then when the people are so desperate, when they have no choice, no options, what do you think happens next? Oh, I'll tell you, violence. This country is going the way of Iran way faster than it took Iran to eradicate women's rights over 40 years. We are moving in the absolute wrong direction. And the question that I will ask again is the one that I asked at the top is that when the people who are making the laws, are they themselves corrupt? Is it our responsibility as citizens to continue to follow those laws? Or is it a requirement of us to wake the fuck up and realize that something got to give and it ain't going to be my back? These are the questions that we need to start asking ourselves and each other, our friends and our family, our colleagues, because time, dear friends, is actually running the fuck out. And I'm not just talking about midterms. I'm talking about the sun setting on America's democracy, because when we take into consideration what happened in Italy with Giorgia Maloney, when we take into consideration what just happened in Brazil, with Bolsonaro, when we take into consideration what has already happened in Hungary with Orban and all of these other nations, what's going on in Sweden, what is happening in the United States, what almost happened in France, but didn't, but Le Pen, their far right candidate, she continues to raise her popularity There is a reordering of the world right now, and it is behind dictators and authoritarianism. And without a strong democracy, without a strong United States, how do you think that this goes? Once they subdue the masses, then there will be a major power grab that will end up in, yes, a world war. I am not chicken little and I do not claim to be a soothsayer, but I'm pretty sure I can read the signs and I'm pretty sure I'm a good student of history. When I say we are running out of time, this is exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. For far too long, the people of this country have been asleep. Some have been purposefully ignorant Meaning, oh, I don't like politics. I don't talk politics. Oh, I hate it. Ew, I don't even vote. You know, those people. Right? Then you have other people that say, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Then you got those people. Then you have the few that are activated. Well, it is up to us, the few who are activated and engaged on a regular basis to do our best, not to berate, but to connect the dots for people who do not see themselves in the crises that are unfolding. So whether it is family that you may have in Florida that is not connecting the dots with the fact that what has happened with Hurricane Ian isn't a quote-unquote natural disaster, but one that packed a greater punch because of climate change, but you keep voting for motherfuckers that don't even vote for you to get the funding that you need to rebuild? 
Come on. Come on. Help them connect the dots. Right? Oh, you got hurricane insurance, but guess what you didn't get? Flood insurance. And guess what is the cause of most of the damage that is taking place in Florida? Flooding. Intense rain. So when these people turn around, and I'm not talking about the fucking millionaires that got their second, third, or fourth homes in Coral Gables. I'm talking about the everyday American or the poorer American that was living in an RV or a motorhome, and that's all they got. They ain't getting the money to turn around and rebuild because insurance going to turn around and say, oh, no, that wasn't hurricane. It wasn't the winds that caused that. It was the water. You don't have flood insurance. We got to wake people up. Yelling at people does not always activate them, but I'm telling you that finding ways to connect with people on a very human level and just bring to them, bring to them the tapestry, the narrative that is going on right now. That is why I am bringing you and so happy that I had our friend Anat Schenker Asadio on Woke AF. Part one, you heard yesterday. Part two, you were going to hear right now on the importance of messaging, on the importance of understanding the psychology behind the people that you are speaking to. There are some that are activated by rage. I am that some. There are others that need different tactics in order to activate them. So coming up next, part two of my conversation with Anat Schenker Osario. Hey there, I want to tell you about another podcast I think you'll love. The Brown Girl's Guide to Politics hosted by Ashanti Goler, the president of Emerge. BGG is the one-stop shop for women of color who want to hear and talk about the world of politics. Join Ashanti this season as she talks to incredible women of color who are changing the face of politics and tackling some of the most important issues facing the United States. From reproductive justice to voting rights to climate change and more. Tune in every Tuesday wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slice Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the Gab Fest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gab Fest. New episodes every Thursday. They need to understand this as a choice election and not a referendum on the incumbent party. How are we doing, though? And by we, I mean the Democratic establishment in terms of making that distinction. Because, again, I've said this to you before. When you paint it, it's as clear as day. When I listen to other Democrats, particularly talking heads on cable news, it's as clear as mud. Right? Um, they can't articulate like, and this is what I have often said. They, the, the, the radical right co-opted the word freedom, right? And their, and their idea of freedom is wrapped in their ability to abuse and oppress. And we've allowed them to continue with that narrative. I mean, they stormed the Capitol building on January 6th under the guise of freedom. Danielle. 
they've taken freedom, the word, the concept, the notion. They've taken family. Remember yes. family values? Yes. They've taken life from us. And all along, Democrats, I'm just going to get very candid, mm-hmm. have heeded exceptionally stupid advice that fails every time. Under Clinton, it was called, quote, triangulation. When Trump came to ascendancy, Mark Lilla wrote the op-ed that became, you know, the think piece that is now a genre, which is white man finger wagging at people that how dare you mention race, because that is the reason why we're going to lose, which is just such utter nonsense. And honestly, how dare you? To what is now this notion that the only way to win is to talk about popular things. Well, let me tell you about popular things. What's happening right now in all testing, and it is it is permeating, it is penetrating, both this freedom idea, and I can hold up examples. Gavin Newsom trolling DeSantis with the freedom ads released on 4th of July, absolutely all very intentional. Um, Pat Ryan winning his special election in New York. Freedoms, 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 freedoms. The Kansas referendum intentionally called the ballot initiative constitutional freedom. So they are, I mean, maybe this is just me needing to believe that like my work is <laughs> not in vain. And I've, something in yeah, I, I got to believe something like, something. okay, so this is my own magical realism because otherwise, you know, I just can't function. They are doing it. They are doing a better job of drawing the contrast. They are doing a better job. I mean, the Joe Biden speech that you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier was part of that. And that was all very, very intentional. And let me tell you what else. The airing of the January 6th committee, I just really want to be clear. March, April, when we looked at polling, January 6th, voters were like, I don't care about that. I care about money. I care about economics. I care about jobs. Like, why are you talking about that? You're wasting time. And there were folks in the Democratic establishment who understandably were like, we shouldn't do this. We shouldn't have hearings. We shouldn't, you know, this voters will feel like we're wasting time. We're, you know, not focused on the right things, et cetera, et cetera. But if you actually understand persuasion, you know that the job of a good message isn't to say what's popular. The job of a good message is to make popular what we need said. And because we knew that we would lose, we will lose this election if it is a referendum on the incumbent party. We will lose it. Mm -hmm. The only way to win it is to make clear, is to reactivate Mm-hmm. the energy, the fuck you energy that we had in 1820, to use the technical terminology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what that means is that we need to retap that vein. And the purpose of having these hearings, besides the fact that some things are just wrong and some things are just right, and certain things you do because they are the correct thing to do. If you're a leader, you need to go first. That is literally what leadership means. And so it is the right thing to do to hold these hearings. And in addition to that, what we see is that this being continuously in the media and the Dobbs decision, really the Dobbs decision, have changed people's mental calculus. It's not a good idea to reason off of anecdotal evidence, but let me just share with you some examples of focus group Green Bay, 
swing voters, white, like not even Green Bay proper, but like outside, 20 minutes of carping. I hate Democrats. Oh, my gas tank prices, Democrats, taxes, blah, 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 blah. And then this man, white man, burly guy, looks like the box of refrigerator comes in, sort of your classic, like Northern Wisconsin person says, you know, my wife and I, we had a, he called it a pregnancy incident. He didn't explain more, but clearly he was very upset. And he said, and I will be damned if there's going to be a politician that's going to come into my bedroom where I am consoling my wife. Mm. And tell us what we can and cannot do. You know what? Mm. I Prices go up and prices go down. But if they take our freedoms, that's forever. Woman in Texas, same thing. Democrats, blah, 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 blah. She says, after the prices, the money, the inflation, she says, you know, at the end of the day, I can learn to live in a budget. What I cannot learn to do is not get raped. People. Come on. Are turning. And I realize I've said so many things, but this is what is so frustrating. Reproductive rights, health, and and justice advocates have been saying for a million years, talk about abortion, talk about women's rights, talk about our freedom, talk about talk about these issues. And Democrats have been scared to even utter the A word, right? Yeah. In 2018, there was barely any ads about abortion. In 2020, despite the fact that the year before, 2019, 25 states passed abortion bans. Still 2020, you know, like, we're not going to talk about abortion. That's not where we're going to go. Suddenly, everyone has their head out of their ass and they're like, oh, it's November. Obviously, abortion ads are testing off the charts. And so- had we been actually fighting all along, if you want people to come to your cause, you have to be attractive. And that means that you actually have to stand for something. And it also means you're going to repel some people. So I think we are getting it. I am cautiously optimistic. I That optimism doesn't come from sort of a fake place of hope. It comes from determination. Like I've been, yeah, like, we have no choice. We have to do this. Last question for you, Anat, because I, I mean, honestly, I, I, I genuinely could speak to you all day because I think that what is really important, and I said I said this a couple of shows ago, is really understanding the psychology behind the decisions that people make. And that's what you do with the focus groups and listening to people is understanding what motivates them, what drives them. Like you said, you know, I think about my own, you know, life and work through politics. And, you know, I remember being, I think I was like eight or nine. And I asked my parents what political affiliation we were. And, you know, and at the time it was just like, well, Danielle, what do you think? And I said, D, because Danielle, and I think we're Democrats, right? Like I'm, I was like eight. So that seemed logical. But then, you know, my parents explained to me, you know, why we were Democrats, right? You're a child of immigrants. We came to this country to make a better life. And they explained the process. And so for me, why, why am I a Democrat? Because of that, those foundations that my family had instilled, but then also how it was tested, you know, over time. Like you said, people 
they they are defined by their families. It doesn't mean that they can't change, but they're defined by it. So if we're not understanding the psychology of what moves people, and I would, you know, frankly, I would have written off the guy from Wisconsin, like you said, you know, blah, 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 gas, this, that, and the other thing until he said, I'll be damned, right? I would have assumed that those were his people, that the anti-abortion, you know, pro-life, that those were his people. Because I'm like, you know, what was interesting is that gay people said, I'll be damned if you tell me what the fuck I can do inside of my own bedroom. You know, that was the Lawrence case out of Texas, right? So, uh, you know, the question for you is, how do we continue to really try, and I don't mean understand in the way that I'm trying to understand white supremacists and why they became white supremacists, because I don't care, but how do we understand, you know, white Americans in particular, who every political party puts all of their eggs in their basket, but like you're saying, this abortion Overturning abortion in this country has opened up people's eyes to the fact that for the first time, the Supreme Court is taking away rights as opposed to granting them. So how do we use, is it fear? I guess it's the question that I'm asking, like, is fear the motivator, the losing of rights? Is it, is it anger? Is it passion? Is it, is it determination? Like you said, like, I'll be damned, right? Is that our mantra? What is it? Yeah, it's a great question. So fear is an inhibiting emotion. It is not an activating emotion. And that is true among progressive and sort of the progressive parts we need to pull out of people. So there's a fundamental confusion that a lot of people have where they will say to me, "How? why are you saying we can't use XYZ message? That's exactly what the right does. We need to remember that their task is to rile up and keep engaged, and I would argue enraged, people who are fundamentally wired to be right-wing and raised in order to persuade the middle towards destructive aims. Mm -hmm. Our task is to rile up and keep engaged and connected people who are fundamentally left-wing, progressive, in order to persuade people towards aims that create, that connect, that bring greater freedom, greater unity, greater acceptance that, hey, the world's complicated and people come in all sorts of different forms. Mm -hmm. And I know that you never grew up with Mm -hmm. someone that was like that, or you think that you didn't. And so that scares you because the unknown is scary to people. It's scary to all of us. There's an evolutionarily beneficial reason why why a certain bit of being neophobic is, is, makes sense. But the way that we overcome that is by equipping our choir, that base, with fundamentally progressive things to say. Fear is very effective. It is a motivator of right-wing people, but it is not of left-wing people. Now, 
that's not true of activists. And this is our fundamental problem. Left-wing activists, people who are like doing the texting, doing the don't, you know, $27 a month, the like talking about politics, being on Twitter, et cetera. We love fear. We are like, please provide me another problem. Please show me like darkness and horror. Oh, I'm so excited to board the Titanic. Like, could I get an extra ticket for my friend? Like, that's our love language. Like, <laughs> harms and horrors. Thank you. Harms and normal horrors. people, normal progressive people who are not engaged, i.e., we need to reach them. Mm-hmm. You know, they got 99 problems and they don't want yours. It turns out, boy, if I got a problem for you, is not that enticing to them because they're all set for problems. So instead, what we have to inspire in them is defiance. There's a big difference between they're coming for your freedoms and they're going to harm you and they're going to hurt you and it's going to be horrible and not on my fucking watch, not this time. You know, we banded together before in 2020. We came together to defeat Trump and now we're coming together to defeat Trumpism. No one election is the solution. Yep. Every single election is a crossroads where we decide whether we are going to move this country forward because it is we, the people that move the country forward by making a decision that liberty and justice has to apply to all, no exceptions. That's the choice that we are going to make together that all of our children should be able to have the freedom to learn the truth of their past, that all of our children should be free from boxes that tell them what they have to look like and who they have to be and what they have to do. And that's the choice that we're going to make in every election. And it's not going to solve all of our problems. We're not going to get everything that we possibly dreamed of. But Voting is one part and it is one fundamental part of who we are. And the minute that we get done voting, we come straight back to fight, to come together, to march, to protest, to pressure our lawmakers. Because we're the ones who make the future. A hundred and fifty thousand percent. Anat Schenker, Osario, thank you so much for your work, for your words, for the encouragement, for the reminder of why we need to fight and that what we are after right now is a defiance to the radical right that wants to reshape who we are fundamentally as Americans and what America stands for. Folks, her podcast is host. She is the host of Words to Win By. If you are not listening, you should. Anachenko Osario, please come back and join us on Woke AF again. Appreciate you so very much. Thank you. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF as always. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.